enjoying Edinburgh Festival? Are you enjoying it? Aye. <laughs> I'm in Edinburgh. <laughs> Are you understanding what people say to you? No. <laughs> but I do understand this. <laughs> Amnesty's Secret Comedy Podcast. Hello and welcome to Amnesty's Secret Comedy Podcast, live from the Edinburgh Festival 2013. That was Susan Kalman talking to Police Academy's Michael Winslow at last year's Fringe. Over the next month, Amnesty International will be serving up Edinburgh's hottest comedians, four times a week straight to your door. I mean ears. We'll have the funniest stand-up. What's the opposite of irony? Wrinkly, very good. The sauciest secrets. Russell Brand came out doing I Am The Walrus. I tweeted, I've had sex with him. <laughs> Plus, exclusive interviews. Is it true that you once rode red rum? It is true. It was the first horse I ever rode. I actually went door to door selling his manure for 50p a bag. And to wet your whistle, we'll be revealing some of this year's hosts and hottest guests in two shakes of a lamb's tail. What about your best heckle? Uh, go hang yourself, Blondie was a good one. <laughs> I never said that to you. I bet it was in Southend. But first, here are some choice cuts from last year. Kicking off the mirth, here's Sarah Kendall. So you're having a, having a fun festival? Cool. I, uh, I actually, I imagine it's very difficult as a punter um, deciding what you're going to go and see. That's quite hard, isn't it? There's like so many shows, right? And they've all got such incredible reviews on their posters. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, if you are going to believe all those quotes, there does seem to be a disproportionate number of geniuses <laughs> working in comedy at the moment. If you're wondering why the space race has gone a little quiet... There's no cure for cancer. Uh, I'm afraid the finest minds of this generation are doing a lot of sketch and character work. Josie, you do a lot of stuff for Amnesty International. Why is it important to you to do stuff for, for Amnesty? I just get a lot of pussy out of it. Like, a mass... I'm joking, sorry. <laughs> Good. I mean, that would probably get cut, wouldn't it? I'm... No, it won't say it, Josie. <laughs> so you would really hope that that I'd would not I love it be... if they cut everything else in the show <laughs> but that. Just me like, hi, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I'm, no, I, I do. <laughs> That's going to be the trailer. Josie, like, get a lot of pussy out of it. <laughs> Membership numbers will soar. <laughs> I know. Yeah. My, my boyfriend is going to listen to this and then he's going to be like, you said that you were working later, Amnesty. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be like, I, you human rights. I like Scooby-Doo. I'm a big fan of Scooby-Doo. You know, at the end of a Scooby-Doo cartoon, they always solve the mystery, obviously. And then Fred goes, well, good job, gang. Mystery solved. Right, Scoob? And then it cuts to Scoob and he goes, Scooby dooby dooby doo! And then it cuts to black and it ends. Like, that's it. But I imagine after it cut to black, Fred probably would have just gone, What? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think my question was rhetorical, and even if it wasn't, I don't understand your answer. It's very strange. They'd be like, if Scotland Yard solved a very important murder crime, was like, Well, Good job, guys. Murder solved. Right, Constable Harrison. Then it just cut to him and he just went, Constable, Constable, Constable Harrison! <laughs> what? 
We're in the middle of a press conference. I can also get pissed off even at things I like. Like I'm watching a show on TV, I like location, location, location. Pissed me off straight away. See if this would piss you off. This was the voiceover at the beginning. Young couple Greg and Sophie have a budget of 750,000 pounds. <laughs> I had to spend the next half hour going, bloody Greg and Sophie, where do they get 750,000 pounds from? They only look about 12, look at them. Hope they get divorced, hope their house falls down. Bloody Greg and Sophie. You're good people, of course you are, it's charity. That is a correct response to that. Because I, I, I said that recently down south, uh, in a place uh, where I thought, oh, I wonder how it'll go here. Henley-upon-Thames. <laughs> Complete silence. Till I was looking in their faces and I thought, they're all just sitting there going, well, they'll get nothing round here for 750,000 pounds. <laughs> Poor Greg and Sophie, they seem such a lovely couple, don't they? Lovely couple. I love doing comedy, it's good fun. Um, like my girlfriend's, like she likes me doing it, but she's not a big fan, because it's a lot of like staying away from home. Like, I'm up here for the old month, and I think she worries I might cheat on her or something like that, or play away, and I never would. I love her to bits, so I always try and reassure her, and I reassure her with a classic Paul Newman quote, and I say to her, look, why would I go out and have a burger when I've got steak at home, right? But the problem is, when you're pissed, burgers are well nice. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like being French, it's quite handy, especially in London, uh, because I, when those charity muggers come and attack you, right? Because it is an attack, in a way. Uh, you know, you've got, like, uh, the cancer ones, the amnesty ones. They're always coming at you! And so when I see them, when you see them, maybe you cross the road or you get on your phone hoping it doesn't ring. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm just on the phone. Right, but I can just go, ah, non, désolé, je parle français, right? And I can walk right past them, and it's incredible. It's an incredible thing. But in London, they're like language ninjas, these guys. They're so good. Baguette. They know exactly what, what to say to make you feel guilty, and it's really annoying. Like, you know, you walk past them, and they're like, excuse me, mate, do you want to have some kids in Africa? Ah, non, désolé, je parle français. Ah, moi aussi! Uh, 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 nein! Um, uh, um, ich spreche in Deutsch uh, und mein Hund ist in mein Schlafzimmer. Um, ah, sehr gut, ich verstehe Sie! Alright, mate, you legend. <laughs> Touche, how much do I owe you? Three pounds a month? Okay, fair enough. She enjoyed it very good, yeah. Coat on, coat off a lot, isn't it? <laughs> coat on, do coat, coat off, oh, coat on. You always ask someone else whether you need a coat or not. <laughs> Just before you leave the house, you always turn to your friend and go, do I need a coat? <laughs> like they know how hot or cold you are. It's exhausting having two children. I, I thought I was tired when I had one, but now I look back on that, that was like having an accessory, really. Now, now that I've got two, I actually think I'm properly wrecked. I actually think that they're trying to kill me. Um, I do, I hear them talking about it on the landing. They, they have little conferences. One's like, right, I'll, I'll get up at five, right? And I'll be inexplicably perky. <laughs> and then just as I'm winding down for my nap, you crank up. Start going mental for Cocoa Pops. She ain't been shopping. <laughs> I think we could kill her. Hello, my name's Daniel. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 21. Uh, I moved out last year, which is always hard on parents whenever a child moves out. It's always hard on one of the parents. Uh, one parent always cares what the other one 
doesn't really care. Uh, I'll see if you can work, 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 which one of my parents cared when I moved out. Now, you've obviously got two choices, despite the fact I am from Fife. You've got, um, <laughs> you've got my loving, caring, friendly mother, or, or my stepdad. Now, I'll give you another clue. He's not actually my stepdad. I just call him that to annoy him. <laughs> call me dad. Shut up, Martin. <laughs> He did the dad thing a while ago when I was 16 years old. He came up to me and he said, son, we need to talk. And I thought, oh God, it's the sex talk. But it wasn't the sex talk, it was the shaving talk. Now, I know what you're thinking, Daniel, the shaving talk does sound a lot better than the sex talk. Well, it would be, but not when your dad neglects to tell you it's the shaving talk. So he starts talking about shaving, I think he's talking about sex. <laughs> Imagine this from my point of view. Son, there comes a special time in every man's life. You may have already started to do it. I doubt it, I can tell from your face. Now the first time you do it, you're going to be clumsy. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to do things wrong, okay? There will be a little bit of blood. Don't worry, that's fine. <laughs> it's normal. Your mum can show you this neat trick with some rolled up toilet paper. <laughs> oh, cheers, Dad. And that was a few clips from the Edinburgh Festival 2012, courtesy of Amnesty's Time Machine. I did suggest they might want to use a time machine to do something like stopping dictators' parents getting together, but I'm just voiceover man. Next up, I'm going to dangle this year's stonking lineup right in front of your nose, straight after this short message from Sir Paul McCartney. Hi, I'm Paul. As you may know, the best things in life are free. Love, for example, even this podcast, and the best of Wings EP if you're a burglar. Anyway, speech is also at its best when it's free, you know. That's why Amnesty stands for freedom of speech. And if you do too, text FREEDOM and your full name to 70505 to donate £5 to Amnesty International. Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask bill payers' permission. To unsubscribe from contact by SMS, text STOP to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms. Right, put your phone away and feast your big lugs on some of this year's incredible hosts and guests with just a little reminder of why we've booked them. It's Julian Clary. Well, I want to tell you about something strange and unnatural that happened to me. Hello. Well, um, while I was in Capri earlier this year, I grew breasts. Which isn't strictly true. It was, it was a trick of nature. What happened was I just emerged from the swimming pool, all bronzed and gleaming, as you can imagine. And I was just settling myself on a lounger. I think his name was Derek. <laughs> and suddenly these two wasps, obviously related or working together in tandem, they attacked me simultaneously, one either side, Larissa. Has it ever happened to you? Sort of midway between the nipple and the pit. Jabbed their little swords in, and I don't know why, to this day, I don't know why. I can only imagine that I'd somehow disturbed them. I, I, may, I may have splashed them as I was splashing about the pool. And they obviously sat on the side of the pool thinking, well, well, who did that? I expect it was him all bronzed and gleaming. 
And so they went for me, and naturally enough, I screamed. And within seconds, these two breast-like mounds formed. <laughs> one either side. Obviously too far apart to form any kind of cleavage. But nevertheless, of interest, it appeared to various Italian gentlemen in the vicinity. And they all got up off their towels or wherever they were, and they began to circle round me. And one of them came up and invited me to a discotheque. Later that evening, I won the Miss Emerald Cove 1989 competition. <laughs> That's enough from me, I think. Thank you very much. Alan Davis. How are you enjoying Edinburgh so far? Is I'm it enjoying well? it very much. It's all going very well, thank you, yes. And how are you finding the Scottish audiences? They all sit face to front. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you can ask of an audience, I find. So you've been away for a wee while. What, what made you decide to go back on stage again and do the stand-up again? Couldn't get any other work, Susan. <laughs> things are drying up. No. I've gone over the crest. No. You play yeah. every town twice. That's what Malcolm Hardy used to say. Once on the way up, once on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back. Joe Caulfield. And there are things that are accepted conventions that I'm not very happy about. Like, I was in the supermarket, and a short woman asked me to get her something off the top shelf. Not an old person. I would help an old person. Just a short woman. She went, oh, could you get that off the top shelf for me? I thought, well, if it's socially acceptable for you to ask me to get things off the top shelf, then surely I can ask you to get me something off the bottom shelf. <laughs> so pick up that cat litter, short ass. yeah. It was excellent fun. She could barely lift it. <laughs> Just have to get a cat now. Ed Byrne. We're really excited at Amnesty that you're going to be hosting the Secret Comedy Podcast yeah, while we're up in Edinburgh. That's exactly the sort of thing that, you know, five years ago I wouldn't have said something like that. I'd have gone, I'm funny on stage and I'm serious. But now I'm a tool. Now I'm just an, I am an arsehole now. I don't know what's happened to me. Since I hit 40 got a couple of kids and all that and I was just like I just say dickhead things now <laughs> like <enough>. that <laughs> well I, I don't know exactly who we've got lined up as yet for me to interview so there should be a good mix of people I love admire and can barely tolerate and that <laughs> will make for quite interesting chat I think Al Murray Welcome, Al Murray. Hello. You're going to be up at the Edinburgh Festival in August. Can you tell us a little bit about your show? Well, I've been on tour all year. So uh, last year I went to Edinburgh and did two weeks basically finishing off writing the show that I'm touring. And I've toured the show since then. So I'm kind of going back to, to um, offer up the rounded, shone up object to the Edinburgh audience. So many listeners know you as Al Murray, the pub landlord, but you started your career doing sound effect impressions. Well, basically, it was a pub trick. And when I left uni, I thought, well, how can I extend my student lifestyle? And uh, I'd sort of I'd turned it into a kind of act. And I thought, well, I want to try being a comic. And, and that sort of filled the gap for quite a while doing the sound effects thing. And then I struck on the pub landlord and was able to ditch making stupid noises. <laughs> oh, no, because my favourite one is the... Oh, the car boot opening. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Geordie Whale. Oh, oh, well, yes, that's part of the pub landlord thing, is he does a Geordie Whale song thing, yeah. 
Yeah. Can you give us a bit? Well, it's all. It's the idea that um, I do. A, I do a thing where I go around the whole of the UK and find the different sounds of the different bits of the UK. And the Geordie Wales song is the like that because it, to my mind, it sounds a lot like like that. It sounds quite whale songish. Lee Mac. Is it true that you once rode red rum? It is true. It was the first horse I ever rode. I was a stable boy at his stables. Uh, and I wiped his bottom. I actually went door to door selling his manure for 50p a bag. I would say, manure for sale. They go, not interested. I go, it's red rum shit. And they go, ooh. And sometimes they'd buy it. And the real truth was, it wasn't always red rums. <laughs> sometimes they'd put a sprinkling in. You know, like the way they say, fish fingers contain fish. And it turns out it's like half a percent of fish. And the rest is God knows what. Well, that's the same thing with red rum poo. If as long as you say it contains red rum poo, they can't have you as long as it's like one percent is in the or whatever the minimum requirement is. Now, if that hasn't got you subscribing or buying a ticket and hot-footing it up to Edinburgh, you're a f***ing idiot. <laughs>